This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today we are wrapping up a series that we started at the very beginning of the month called Strapped. And this is not about carrying a gun, okay? Just in case you were wondering. Today, this is a series for those of us that are tired of struggling financially. We're tired of it. We're tired of arguing about, how many of y'all are tired about fighting about money at home? Tired about stressing about money. Tired of worrying about finances. And the reality of that is, is that we know for every person in this room, finances are to some degree a stressor, okay? It's constantly listed from psychologists and counselors in the top five most stressful things that we deal with on a regular basis. Money is the number one reason that couples divorce. And here's the thing. We've got an opportunity to get it right. We've got an opportunity. And for the last four weeks, we've been looking at God's way for finances. The first week, we kicked it off with a message called More Isn't More, Less Is More. And we looked at the ideas of more and less. And the problem with more is that when we get more stuff, we get less of the things that really matter. Okay? But the truth of our lives is that we embrace, uh, when we embrace a less is more mentality, what happens is we get more of the things that really do matter in life. And so we looked at this first out of Ecclesiastes 4. Better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. More isn't more. Less is more. Now, week two, stress kills the life that Jesus died to give you. Too many of us are living with too much stress, and the stress that we're living with often, in many ways, has its origins in financial difficulties. And we know that Jesus died to purchase us a life that is victorious and triumphant, but the problem is that many of us have been doing things our own way. We've allowed, because of that, we, because we're doing things our own way, we've allowed the enemy to come in, and the Bible says that when we do that, it's as if when we live on our own way, it's as if we're a city with the, the walls that have fallen down. We have no protection. The enemy is free to come in to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And so we want to walk away from stress and walk into financial principles that allow us to live with uh, discipline and freedom. And so week three, we looked at giving and looked at the simple idea that giving is awesome. And we, we talked a lot about giving last week. And, I, man, I just want to thank you. Over the past month, we have embraced uh, just a heart and a lifestyle of giving. Many of you have given. We've gave thousands of pounds of food uh, away. We gave thousands of pounds of clothes away. And because of your generosity, there are many lives that will be touched over the next few weeks, even next few months, uh, through local ministries that we were able to give. Today, we're actually challenging you with something a little different. So as you go out, you're going to be handed a pre stamped thank you card. It really is an opportunity for you to write down a thank you note to somebody that you know, somebody that's made a difference in your life, and just mail it off. Let's give thanks, okay, in this last week of giving. But see, 
Um, we looked at, at this, this simple verse that Jesus spoke in, in Acts 20 last week, and, and it just it bears being reminded that, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, there's a blessing in receiving, and that's why many of us focus on that. We, we stay, our lives stay focused on acquiring and what we receive, but the truth is, is that there's more blessing in the giving than there is in the receiving. And so we need to embrace a lifestyle of generosity. It's as Christians, it's not just something we do, it's who we are. It's the way God made us. We are wired to be generous. So this week, I'm going to talk about this simple idea of finishing strong. How many of y'all have known somebody that got started really good, but somewhere along the line, they got tripped up, they got off course, and they didn't finish a race that we watched them start? I believe that God wants every one of us to run this race of our lives in such a way that we would finish strong. But the problem is we are way too spoiled with now. Way too spoiled with now. Our lives have changed so much in the last 20 years to focus us on today. I mean, today, it used to be, like, if you wanted to go visit somebody, you would just mail them a letter and say, in the month of July, I'm coming to see you. And then you didn't know, they'd just show up in July at some point, okay? But today, I can send you a text message. And if you're that person, and I know who you are, that's my friend, and I know you always have your phone on you, I expect to see those little bubbles pop up almost immediately that let me know that you are responding because we live in this now culture, and we're so spoiled with now. I mean, you used to, if you wanted to watch a, a TV program, you had to etch out time in your evening. You know, it was Thursday night at 9 o'clock, and we had to be there, and we had to be in front of the TV, and you couldn't be away from the TV, or you'd miss something. And you, some of y'all don't even know what it's like to try to squeeze in a bathroom break in a commercial break, right? But we lived through that. But now you, you can watch a whole season of a show in one sitting. And how many of y'all have ever got mad at the TV when the Internet messes up and the, the program that you're watching starts buffering a little bit, starts screaming at it, what's wrong with you? It's the best part. I'm so spoiled with now. I mean, listen, this time of year, we're ordering a bunch of Christmas presents. How many of y'all How many of y'all just are so addicted to Amazon Prime, you don't really want to admit how addicted you are to it, right? It's just not, it's not fun. You, you want to beat your spouse home so that you don't, they don't see all those Amazon Prime boxes out front. Why? Because you can buy something, and two days later, for free, it's there. Anything you want. You just go imagine it. You can buy Legos. You can buy a new chair for your car. You can buy anything. Toys for your animals at home. Anything that you can think of, you can buy two days later. We are spoiled with now. We live in a culture that's become fast food and instant and everything happens like in the moment that we expect it to. And it's very difficult for many of us to see that tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters. Because we're so spoiled with today. There's probably no place that is more evident than in our finances. And our finances is a place where our hearts really are put on display because the things that we spend money on are the things that we care about. 
I can follow the trail of your finances and discover what you really care about. And most of us are heavily invested in today. According to CNN, 76% of American households are living paycheck to paycheck. 76%. That means if you don't get paid at the end of the month, you are in amazing financial trouble immediately because you have not prepared for tomorrow. Now, for some of you, I get it, okay? You're a single mom. You graduate from college. You've had a rough kind of go of it. And you're working hard, and you're barely making ends meet. But for the vast majority of us, we are living for today with little to no regard for tomorrow. We're not thinking about the impact of the decisions that we make today and how they impact the future of our lives. And when you have a today-centered mindset, like many of us do, there's, we're, we're going to neglect tomorrow when we have a today-centered mindset. See, it's impossible to finish strong without changing the way we live today. And so many of us right now, because we're focused on today and we're so consumed with right now and the things that are happening right now, the, the problem is, is that we're setting ourselves up not for a better tomorrow, but for a more difficult tomorrow. Scriptures put it this way in Proverbs 21, verse 20. That the wife, wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. It's living paycheck to paycheck. And that's not me calling you a fool if that's the way that you live. That's the Bible calling you that way. Foolishness simply means that there's no thought, there's no planning, there's no preparation. Proverbs 6, it gets a little worse. Caught a fool, now we're going to get called something. I just This is one of my favorite words in the whole Bible. Look at this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> the Bible just called us a sluggard. All right, that's really funny. Um, go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The, the writer Solomon is saying, hey, if you need to see that this principle is important, just look at ants. The simplest of creatures know that there's something coming in the future, and I need to prepare for it today because tomorrow matters. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable, and it's probably... If you're wanting to be that person that breaks out of a cycle of struggling financially, it's probably the most important parable for us to examine. It's a parable of the talents. And in that parable, a master, and so a parable is when Jesus tells a story to illustrate truth. And he, he brings up a, a master who has three servants and brings the servants in. And you're going to see that with two of the servants, they have a mindset that's focused on tomorrow. One of them is only focused on today. And so he brings them in and he gives them uh, different measures of precious metal. And that's the, the term talent literally was a measurement. So he gave one servant, one talent, one, two, and then one, five. There's this vast array of the amount that he's investing into these servants. And they're given the job to manage his resources until he returns. This is the parable where Jesus is going to say, he who is faithful with a little will be trusted with much. 
See, many of us, we want the much right now without being faithful with a little. And the problem for many of us is, is that we're not living right now with the tomorrow mindset. We're living with the today mindset. So if we're going to prepare for a better tomorrow, we, mean we must change how we live today. This isn't just finances. This is everything. This is your relationships. This is the way you parent. This is your, your uh, marriage. This is your career. In everything, we, if we're going to prepare for a better tomorrow, we have to change the way we live today. Now, I'm going to talk specifically about money today, okay? But the principles that we go through are really principles that are broad and apply to many different areas of our lives. And I don't know if you know this, but there are several ways that you can actually make money. All right? There's just two. And I'm going to list them out for you. Two ways to make money. Number one, people make money. That's you. You have a job. You have a skill. You have a career that you go to. You have something that you can offer, a business that you run, whatever that is. But people can make money. But I don't know if you get this. That that's not the only way to make money. That's not the only way. The second way to make money is money that makes money. And we see this disparity in the parable of the talents as Jesus tells it. And, and it's really one of those things that I think is so encouraging because there were two of the servants that were very good. The master was very pleased with them. And the first one that returns the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. The, the master would say, well done and good, my good and faithful servant. Now, now notice in this verse what this servant did. He used the resources that were leveraged on his behalf to go to work. All right, he rolled up his sleeves, he got dirty, and he took what opportunity lay in front of him and was able to double the amount that the, the master had given him up front. I, I just want to say this to you. You can't finish well if you expect others to do what only you can do. There are things in your life that only you can do. Only you can change them. And if you keep waiting on somebody to show up to do something for you that only you can do, you're going to be waiting for a long time. And some of us need to finally say, hey, you know what? I'm the only person that can change that. I'm going to do it. I love the attitude of this guy who went to work and earned two more. But look at what the other servant did. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest some money and earned five more. He put the money to work, all right? He seems to be a little bit smarter. He seems to be a little bit more intuitive. He put the money to work, and the money earned five more. He invested, and the investment brought back a return. Now, I don't know if you get this, but there was another one, another servant who was given one bag of silver. He went because he was scared of losing it, because he was focused on today. I just need to make sure I keep what I have. And he buried that investment in his backyard, brought it back to the master and brought it before him and said, here's what you gave me. Thanks for trusting me with this, you know, kind of a moment. And it's one of those things where the, the exact opposite thing that I expect to happen happens because Jesus has the master call that one wicked and lazy. 
I'll be honest with you. There are things I never want to be called by God, wicked and lazy. One went to work, and one let the money go to work. And I don't know about you, but maybe there's something hidden in the truth behind the one who let his money go to work. Because at the end of the story, the money that was given to the one who was only focused on today was taken away and was given to the one with the five. He experienced dramatic increase because not only was he willing to go to work, he was willing to let the investments that had been poured on him by the master go to work for themselves. So today we're going to talk about investing in tomorrow. I'm going to say this up front. I'm not a financial counselor. I'm a pastor, okay? And so the advice that I'm going to give today, it would be supported by most of your financial counselors that you would deal with, but it's very generic, and it really applies to many different areas of our lives. But if you need a plan financially, I want to encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace University. Because there are lots of questions when it comes to this portion of our lives. How do we prepare to pay for college if we have kids? How do we plan for retirement? What kind of insurance do I need? If you go through FPU, they help you answer all of those questions. I want that for you. I want you to have a plan. You can sign up at guest services. It starts uh, on Wednesdays in January. Now, let's talk about investment principles today. And again, just to remind you, these don't simply deal with money. They deal with our relationships. But I'm going to talk specifically about money. This is a broad topic, but I'm going to be very specific with what I'm talking about today. Number one, don't invest in things you don't understand. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. By wisdom, a house is built. The thing is, is that we can be talked into things that sound good. They sound like they're good investments, but we don't really understand what we're buying into. Many of us have looked at this when it comes to stocks. Many of us have looked at this in, in ways that we thought that we could get rich. I found out this week, I don't know if y'all have seen this or y'all saw this on social media this week, but I found out this week I got great news. I'm a millionaire. I didn't even know it. I got this email um, from uh, uh, somebody in Nigeria, and, and they shared with me that I'm owed uh, almost $1.5 million dollars. All I have to do is send them my, you know, my information, right? Just, they just, oh, that's all they want. Just so they can wire me the money. That's what, how many of y'all have ever got an email like this, right? It's not real. It's a scam, right? And what's happening is that all the time around us, there are things that seem too good to be true, but they're not true. The way they seem is the truth. They are not true. True. Now, the thing is, is that oftentimes when we talk about investment, we will talk about the stock market. Many, many of us don't understand the stock market. That's just the honest truth about us. We, we've never done the research. We've never really worked to understand what, what a share in this company really is worth. And so we don't understand how to invest in the stock market. If you were uh, looking to invest in the late 80s, there was a company that was very hot. And if you would have went to an investment counselor, they would have said, this is a great company for you to consider to invest in. It was Motorola. 
All right, how many of y'all remember Motorola? Back in the early cell phone days, y'all had that Razor, right? The flip, you remember that? That was the jam phone, right? All right, but here's the thing. If you invested in Motorola in the late 80s and put $1,000 into them, based on their performance over the last five to 10 years, that $1,000 would be worth about $5 right now. Because the people who were investing didn't understand the long-term market that was there for that tech, okay? Tech is a very short-term typical kind of, kind of investment, and so you have to kind of ride that buying and selling. But my dad is somebody who has taken the time to understand the stock market. And in the late 80s, there, there was an Exxon tanker that pulled out of a port in Alaska. It was called the Valdez, and it ended up running aground and spilling uh, millions of gallons of oil along the Alaskan coast. It was the largest oil spill in American history. It was an unbelievable natural disaster. I mean, it, was, it, it totally decimated some beaches and populations of, of animals. It was horrific, okay? My dad watched as this happened, and the price of Exxon plunged. And my dad said, you know what? They're not going to stay that way forever. We're going to take all the money that we can afford to right now, and we're going to invest in Exxon. I asked my dad this week, I said, Dad, how's that been? How's that doing? He said, well, it's worth about five times now what we invested in it originally. Five, that's a good investment. 500% return on your investment, that's a good. But many of us don't understand that. And sometimes the best investments that we make are the ones that we don't make because we don't understand what we're being asked to invest in, okay? Number two, don't put all your, all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Grandma was right, okay? Very important. And this is the same principle if you're trying to improve your marriage. Don't take one strategy and just simply work that strategy. Have multiple strategies. But financially, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11, divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. Diversify, okay? If you are heavily invested in the stock market, you might want to consider real estate or commodities or some, something that's different to diversify the portfolio of investment that you actually have, okay? The illustration is probably best to think about investment money is a lot like manure, okay? If you get a big pile of it and things go south, it smells really bad, okay? But if you spread it around, it'll help things grow, all right? We need to diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Number three, don't try to get rich quick. Don't try to get rich quick. Can I just say this up front? The ultimate aim as a Christ follower is not that we would get rich or that we would acquire wealth, but that we would have the means to make a difference in this world. All right? And so many people get that confused, and especially when it comes to this portion of their lives, preparing for the future. They get the idea that they could be rich, that they could one day have abundant wealth. But he, look at what the Bible says in 1 Timothy. This is a warning. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The desire to be rich 
opens you up for all sorts of temptations. My dad had a good friend when I was growing up. He loved Jesus. He was a very humble guy. He was a blue-collar worker like many of us. And I mean, he, he went to work every day. He came home. And one day, he came to visit my dad, and he said, God's told me that I'm going to be rich. And he started to talk to my dad about all the things that he would be able to do if he were wealthy. He had a great heart in the matter. Like, he didn't want to be wealthy for himself. He wanted to make a difference in the world. But his approach to becoming wealthy was that everything that came along that he could buy into, every pyramid scheme, every get-rich-quick, all of that, he bought into all of it. And the problem is, is that he never saw that vision become real because he wasn't willing to take the long-term approach. The long-term approach. All right? Because number four... If we're going to invest, we need to be patient in the process. We need to be patient in the process. If you're going to have a better marriage, you need to be patient in the process. If you're going to have better relationships with your friends, you need to be patient in the process. If you're going to raise godly kids, you need to be patient in the process. You need to be patient in the process. I love this verse, Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Look at this. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Now, we can start, can't we? Most of us can come out of the gates running like sprinters, looking so good, but finishing is hard, and it's hard work, and it's hard on our hearts. It takes endurance. It takes patience. And finishing is better than just starting. So I've noticed that for most things in our lives, there's a start and there's a finish, and in between there, there's a process. There's a process. There's something that's going on on the inside. And if something is a process, you cannot cheat the process. You can't cheat the process. This is in many areas of our lives. Some of us want to get healthier. It's a process. There is no silver bullet, no magic pill that you can take that will make you healthier overnight. It's a process. Some of you want to experience forgiveness and restoration in your marriage. There's a process that goes with that. You have to buy into the process. There is no magic pill that you can swallow that will make all that bad stuff go away. have to buy into the process and then be patient in the process. I'm just going to say this. Stop praying for God to do what only you can do. Start doing the work, taking the next steps, and trusting God with the, with the result. Start doing the work, taking the next step, and trusting God with the results. Because many of us are sprinters. We're good taking off. And we look so good at the start, but investors are marathoners. See, the thing that I've learned, I have a few friends who have ran marathons, and after talking to them about their experience in running a marathon, I've learned that if you're going to run a marathon, you have to plan for the end. You have to plan for the end. You have to save energy. You can't take off running as fast as you want to at the very beginning. 
You have to be conscious in the middle to hydrate and take care of yourself and make the investment so that as you get closer to the end, you still have energy to run. My friend Seth, who's up there running media today, has ran several marathons. And I talked to him about one, and he said, man, that last mile, if Jason would have showed up with a butcher knife chasing me, I couldn't have run any faster because I'd saved up enough just to run that fast, and that was all I had. But that's what it takes to finish well. Look at this, Proverbs 13, verse 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. If you go through financial peace, you'll hear, hear Dave, Dave Ramsey tell this story. He, he was, one day kind of had an opportunity to interview somebody who had been very successful financially and their kids had been very successful financially. And he said, hey, man, I've got some small kids and I'm working on raising them with the right kind of principles when it comes to money. Can you, can you give me one thing that you've done with your kids that you thought was amazing or maybe one thing that you do with your grandkids? And he said, yeah, real simple. You ever heard that story, the, the, the tortoise and the hare? You ever heard that before? It's like, yeah. He's like, I read that every chance I can. To my kids, to my grandkids, to everyone who will listen, I read that story. He's like, oh, really? That's interesting. He goes, yeah, you want to know something that's interesting about that story? Every time I read that story, the turtle wins. Every single time. Slow and steady wins the race. See, most of us want that magic pill that we could swallow or that silver bullet that we could fire at the problems that we're facing in our lives. But that's not what we need. It's little by little that makes it grow. If you want to experience wealth in your relationships, your, your family and your marriage and your finances, let me give you a simple equation. Look at this. Investment plus consistency plus time equals wealth. Investment plus consistency plus time will equal wealth. See, I think that some days, because we're so spoiled by now, we're so caught up in today, we miss the compounding effects of the decisions that we make every single day. An author by the name of Darren Hardy wrote a book. It's a very good book called The Compound Effect, which examines that for us. It examines how the small decisions that we make every day end up leading to bigger ones later on. And especially financially, I spent a lot of time in the book trying to explain compound interest. And they went and did a research project. They went to the average person on the street and asked this simple question. Would you take one million today in cash or one penny that would be doubled every day for 30 days? Which would you take? 90% of those who were asked said, I'll take the million right now. When a penny that's doubled every day for 30 days becomes $5.3 million. So little by little makes it grow. Little by little makes it grow. Little by little makes it grow.
grow. And many of us are neglecting the little decisions that we need to make today that will lead to a better tomorrow because we're so bought in to today. So I want to end by looking at Hebrews 12. Love this passage of scripture. It was for us for one of our years in the past, a, 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 year, a verse that we focused on throughout the year. But I want to look, look at it in the context of finishing strong. Look at it with me. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So what I want to do is real quickly give you four things that we need to do to kind of wrap this series up if we're going to finish strong. And the first thing is that we need to let go of the wants. Let go of the wants. You notice how he opens that passage. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Can I tell you what's slowing you down in life? It's the things that you want, the wants in life, the things that you don't need, the things that are taking up the margin in your life. Those are the things that Paul is saying. Let's take those off. Let's strip those off. Let's take those away. The second thing that we need to do is we need to confess our sinfulness. That's where he says, let us take a, strip off these weights, but especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So many of us have bought into the lie that what we don't have is what we need. And because we believe that, we are mortgaging what we ultimately want for what we want right now. And we need to confess that God, I've been so caught up with today that I haven't been focused on tomorrow. I've been so focused on what I want right now that I've neglected what I ultimately want. Number three, we need to embrace the process. Embrace the process. It's a race. There's a start, there's a finish, and in between it, there's a process. And we need to embrace the process of running the race that God has called you to run. All of our races look different. All of our skill sets are different. You're going to look different in the middle of your race than I'm going to look in the middle of mine. And we need to stop comparing our middle to someone else's end. But embrace the process. Embrace that it is time to get better, that it's time to improve. And lastly, stay focused on Jesus. As the writer in Hebrews says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Let's embrace the process, but let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus throughout the process. See, the thing is, do you want a great marriage? Do you want a great marriage? You've got to run the marathon to have a great marriage. And throughout that marathon, you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Eyes fixed on Jesus. Eyes fixed on Jesus. Do you want to raise godly kids? It's going to take endurance. It's going to take walking through seasons of pain. It's going to take letting go in some points and holding on in some others. But you've got to learn how to run that race and keep your eyes on Jesus the entire time, embracing the process, knowing it's going to take endurance. Do you want to be healthier? 
Do you want to be healthier in your body, emotionally, spiritually? Do you want to be healthier? Commit yourself to the process. Because getting healthier is a process that we need to be invested in. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Commit yourself to the process. And are you tired of struggling financially? Are you tired? As many of us are. Then embrace the race. That's what Paul calls it right there. We're in this race. And I love in 1 Corinthians 9 that he talks about life as if we're running a race. And he says something that I, I feel very kind of close to. Are you, anybody else have like a verse that you're like, I just need that verse. I'm so glad that's in there. It makes me feel better about myself. In that verse in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, we don't run this race to lose. I'm glad because I hate losing. I've only played Monopoly with my wife one time. And she owned me in about 15 minutes. I flipped the board over, walked away. I'm done with this. I'm never doing it again. It's a trap from Satan for our marriage. Monopoly. Hate to lose. I hate to lose. And Paul says, no, we run this race. We run this race so that we can win. And then he gives us this clue as to what it takes to win. He says, I discipline my body. I discipline my body so that I can be in position to run. So many of us, instead of choosing discipline, have chose indulgence. And the thing that's at risk is not just the moment right now. It's what God's called you to do for the rest of your life, the future that God wants for you. What's at risk isn't just today, it's tomorrow. Because tomorrow is a compounding kind of result of the decisions that you've made to lead up to that moment. And this is the truth. That your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. Your God is too good for you to waste your life on meaningless things. Stop mortgaging our future for what we want right now. And instead, let's start becoming people who invest, run the marathon of investment into the future that God's called us to. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.